Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Good morning. It's great uh, to be together today as we uh, continue our our summer Sabbath experience together. I hope, uh, again, you've been using the podcast this last week, uh, reflecting on uh, Psalm 42 and just spending the week kind of, it's been really rich uh, for me. I hope that it has for you. A couple other things that are happening that you need to know about. A lot of people have been asking, this is the season of sort of uh, camps. Uh, we just, our, our children just came back uh, yesterday uh, from camp. Any parents and kids here this morning that are like back from camp, y'all like all die, we're, like, we're so tired. Uh, I don't know how many hundreds of kids were uh, there with our Century Kid today. Uh, 300 middle schoolers plus a host of saints in the kingdom are with them uh, at Fuse. Um, it's just amazing, uh, the volunteers and all the people who show up to, to wrangle 300 middle schoolers uh, doing that. I just, it reminds me, and then next week, uh, our high schoolers will be lo- use, uh, leaving for Fuse, and that's the bracelets to remind us to pray uh, for each student by name. Um, as they are experiencing uh, camp together. It's a ton of resource and time and energy uh, on our staff and volunteers in this time of year. And it is a joyful sacrifice we get to make uh, for the next um, generation. Uh, we have a team uh, trying to get out uh, to El Salvador. I think they leave today at 12. Uh, so we're having that um, as well. Just lots of things going on. And part of what I've been so excited about our church is um, sort of the broadening of <clears throat> perspective. Um, this is a very complicated time uh, to navigate, as you're probably all well aware. You have conversations around your dinner tables and with family members and at the office. Uh, and perspective and voice become essential to discern what it is that God is doing. And God has been so good to me uh, to bring multiple people into my sphere. Um, I listen to a lot of people read very widely um, but have some really, really keen, trusted voices over the last few years uh, that have just been uh, really profound uh, in my life. Keen perspectives on the world and really discerning about what God has to say. And you get to hear uh, from one of those people uh, today, someone who I trust very deeply, has been very helpful um, to me and to Rick and a host, Clay, and a host of, of other team members um, just understanding how to navigate and what um, God is doing in and through our church. And so I'm excited um, for you to be able to hear today uh, from Laura Lynn Shaw. So Laura Lynn, if you'll come on up. Um, and if you've, if, yeah, you can give her uh, a warm welcome. Um, Laura Lynn has uh, been on staff for about three years. I don't want to take away what you're about to tell everybody, but on staff for three years. I uh, came in the middle of 20. Uh, t- uh, right after the hurricane in, uh, in 2019, or 2018, 2019 started, and it's just been a, uh, a really powerful voice um, in our church. If you've been to the square or other events, you've heard her, um, you know, not only her heart, but her mind, and those two things together are powerful. So, Laura Lynn, um, we're excited to be able to learn from you uh, this morning. So, thank you so much. Thank All right, you. thanks again. Yeah, y'all can thank say you. hello. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Um, 
Well, uh, as you know, we have been talking about Sabbath, um, and hopefully you've been participating in Sabbath and uh, maybe changing up some of your rhythms. Uh, Naturally, Sabbath, uh, or the summer rather, uh, sort of naturally changes our rhythm, doesn't it? Um, I was thinking about that this week and how, despite our best efforts, routine can be hard to find um, in the the summer for some of us. Um, But hopefully you've taken advantage of what we've been talking about in terms of really leveraging this time as a natural uh, break in our typical rhythm to um, to stop and to maybe reorient ourselves, maybe try something new, um, maybe uh, rest in a whole new way. And um, so this morning we're going to continue talking about that um, <clears throat> and maybe add another perspective to it. So one of the things, uh, just kind of to recap a little bit, is to remember that Sabbath is something that uh, was actually, it was a rhythm that God initiated from the very beginning. And so when he uh, created, as we know, he spent six days creating, doing the work, and then, he, uh, and then he took that seventh day and he intentionally said, today is a day of delight. And today I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna enjoy what's good. And this is a rhythm that God has initiated from the very beginning. And then uh, when we see later in Exodus, when the Israelites uh, are taken out of Egypt and they start their journey in the wilderness, God sets up some parameters for them that we know as the law um, in Leviticus, uh, which sounds awful because it's a whole bunch of laws, but actually the vision behind them was uh, to set some boundaries and some structure so that they as a people could really thrive um, in relationship with God and with one another. And so at that time, uh, that law also was a, included a command to observe this, um, this rhythm of work and rest. So it started out, um, God initiated it, he commanded it, and then now for us today, who live on the other side of the new covenant, Jesus has come and he has fulfilled all of the law. And so today, Sabbath is not a command for us, but it is something that we're invited to participate in. It's something we're invited to observe because there's wisdom in it. Uh, There's wisdom in this rhythm of work and rest. There's rhythm in celebration. Um, And so that's what we're invited into. And so as image bearers of God, um, our role, our primary role is, is to bear the image of God. And so part of the way that we do that is to honor this rhythm that he has put in place of working and resting and celebrating and delighting. And so, uh, <laughs> maybe you have already encountered the fact that, um, this is a very countercultural. um, experience uh, thing. It's not something that comes supernaturally. We've actually been using uh, this, this definition all summer um, to talk about Sabbath. We've said that Sabbath is a time set apart to experience rest as we deliberately stop working and trust in God's provision. The invitation to Sabbath is to take a deep breath as we cease striving and place our worries and cares at the feet of Jesus. As we pull away from the pressure to hustle, perform, and achieve, we make room for God to satisfy us as our loving Father, our faithful provider, and our Prince of Peace. So one of the things I love about this definition is how proactive it is. Um, Even though it's talking about rest, uh, we have to choose to uh, stop. We have to choose to set apart the time, first of all, to make the time, to take the time to rest, which sounds like, why do I have to make time to rest? Doesn't that come naturally? But we know that it doesn't. Um, We have to deliberately stop working. 
We choose to trust in God's provision. We take a deep breath, we cease striving, we place our worries and our cares at the feet of Jesus. All of this is very proactive, um, even though, again, we're talking about rest. Uh, but it's very countercultural, and so we've spent a lot of time talking about stopping. There's a practical side of me that wonders, okay, so once I stop, if I do take a whole day, and, uh, and I say, okay, Lord, this, this day is committed to you. I'm going to honor the Sabbath. I'm going to observe this. I'm going to participate in this. And uh, I'm going to stop working. So then what do I do for the rest of the day? There's part of me that's, you know, am I just going to sit here on the couch? Or is it, am I in prayer all day? Am I um, reading scripture all day? And that you could. <laughs> I think that's a part of it, and I think that's a phenomenal way to start. Today I want to talk about maybe what do we do with that time. So uh, the tension really that I think we need to feel is that um, Sabbath is not necessarily just about stopping. It's not just the pulling away. It's not just that we stop work and then we sit there and we don't do anything, or we stop work and then we fill our day with all the other things that are on our to-do list. The goal is really to take the time to stop doing things that take life. Um, to, to intentionally stop and to step away from the things that, are, uh, that contribute to a sense of getting ahead, a sense of um, productivity, maybe, or a sense of, uh, as we've talked about, striving, really. Uh, striving to, um, to make more, to have more, to know more, um, I, as I was preparing this, I was thinking, uh, so Fridays are one of my day off, um, and I love a good podcast. Um, I just, I love to kind of stay up to date with things, and I love to learn and learn different perspectives. And so for a while there, every Friday, I would, um, I'm like, yes, this is my podcast day. And so I would listen to, um, this sounds a little bit sick, but like just podcast after podcast, like up to four podcasts, five podcasts in a day. I'm just taking all this in and I'm loving it. And um, what I realized is that that's, that's actually very draining. <laughs> um, that's a lot of information, first of all, to consume. I'm not digesting anything, so the question is, am I learning anything? But then when I think of why am I doing that, I do love to learn. But really, it comes from an internal need to stay relevant, to stay current, to have more so that I can offer more. Um, I don't think those things are necessarily bad in, in, in and of themselves. But the invitation for us is to take time to set it apart and to say, whatever I know today, whatever I have today, whoever I am today, this is enough. Tomorrow will come, <laughs> but today is enough. And I'm going to choose to delight. I'm going to choose to find joy. I'm going to choose to be enough because I trust that God is my provider, that he is the one that is my source of life, my source of joy, my source of anything good. <laughs> and I'm going to sit in this today. And so maybe it's not just sitting there, but as we sit in it mentally and in a posture in our hearts, I think that's when we honor the Sabbath. Um, that's when we make room for God to delight us. Um, and that's what I want to talk about today. So as I'm talking, if you can do two things at once, um, I'd love for you to be thinking, what are the things that bring you life? When you, um, there's things that we do that um, we enjoy, and there's things that we do because we have to do them. <laughs> but then there are other things that we do, or people that we spend time with, or places we go, um, that really fill us. And so I'd love for you to be thinking of that, and we'll come back around, but, but that's kind of where we're headed.
A couple years ago, um, I read a book that really um, gave me really good perspective and just really challenged my understanding of Sabbath. And so I feel like I just want to give credit where credit is due. And so um, it's this book called Garden City, and it's written by pastor and author, obviously speaker, John Mark Comer. Um, who uh, used to be a pastor out in Portland. And um, this book is called Work, Rest, and the Art of Being Human. And uh, he just really paints a beautiful picture of what Sabbath looks like for us as we live under this new covenant. Um, And so I'd love to, to start with his definition where he describes Sabbath this way. He says, Sabbath isn't just a day to not work. It's a day to delight in what one Hebrew poet called the work of our hands to delight in the life you've carved out in partnership with God, to delight in the world around you, and to delight in God himself. So Sabbath really is is about taking the time to delight in what once was uh, and in the work that we've done, but it's also a place to posture ourselves to delight in what is promised and what is yet to come. So I'm going to take a little sidestep here to just talk a little bit about what is to come, what do we have to look forward to, and what role does that play in today? Um, so what he's talking about here is, is what, what God has promised us in the second coming, in the future, in eternity for those who, who, uh, who believe in Jesus. What is heaven? What does eternity look like? And honestly, that's a whole other series, and that's not the depth of where we're going to go today, but there's enough to know that what's coming is actually very reminiscent of God's original design. Um, so when I grew up, I always understood heaven. I do not know why. Um, But I always thought of heaven as this very ethereal place, um, kind of a spirit world. And uh, I just, this is what I picture that we do for eternity, is that we're all just gathered around this giant throne where God is sitting, and we're singing um, holy, holy, holy. And for whatever reason, we were all wearing togas. Um, That's the vision I have in my mind. And uh, it's probably a childhood vision. And um, it raised a lot of questions for me. Again, not the first of which is, why are we wearing togas? Um, but also, is, is that really what we'll be doing? Is that what eternity looks like? Is that uh, the picture of, of where our great hope lies? That we're going to be rescued from here, um, and we're going to be taken to this place where we shed the body, and where we're a spirit that lives forever, and we're going to be singing for eternity, and even beyond eternity, because time will be over. Um, If that's true, so then my question is, what does that mean for today? What does that mean for all of God's creation? What does it mean for the bodies that he's given us today? Does this have any bearing on eternity? Does this matter um, if it doesn't have anything to do with eternity? So these are questions that I was thinking about, and I just couldn't quite reconcile um, how to fit it all together, and it, it really honestly made it hard for me to share the gospel with people because I thought, well, this is the picture I'm trying to sell you on, um, and I'm not sure that that really sounds like good news, so, but I'll give it a shot. And um, it was really about 10, maybe 12 years ago that, um, in part because of the work that I was doing, I just, I got to a point where I, I could not reconcile the two, um, and I thought, okay, <laughs> I gotta decide if this is, if this is really good news um, and what it means. And so I remember praying, and um, I had grown up in the church, so I was a little embarrassed. I felt like I should know this. And so I, I just said, okay, Lord, I trust you that this is good news. Um, I trust you that the gospel is good news. But I do not understand how it is good news. 
I don't understand how this is actually helpful for people. I don't understand how it's hopeful for people. Um, and so would you teach me? And um, it was a very unremarkable prayer in many ways. And yet what God did uh, is over the next several years, really, um, he used everything. He used every part of my life. Uh, to teach me, and he used my job and the work that I was doing. He used my friendships, conversations I had, um, podcasts that I listened to, uh, messages at church, um, small groups. He used uh, movies that I would watch. I mean, I, I, at the time, I was doing a lot of travel internationally, and so visiting new cultures and understanding their worldview and, and all of this, it all compiled, and it all also fed into me going deeper into Scripture to say, why is this good news? I don't really understand. And so what I learned, the good news, <laughs> is that it is good news. I learned that my understanding um, of the gospel was not necessarily wrong. It just was incomplete. And I also learned that um, while I still don't have a full picture of heaven and eternity, the picture that I had in my mind was also incomplete. Um, and so <clears throat> um, I was thinking about this actually as we were worshiping um, and singing those songs about how, um, just how good God is and how we just could praise him forever. And I thought, I, I think I'm willing to admit that um, I have no idea what it's going to be like to stand, it's going to make me cry, to stand in the presence of the living God, to look face to face, and to feel whole and to know that everyone around me feels whole. And um, I think that today, the fear is that we stand in a circle and we sing one worship song for the, all of eternity, and that doesn't sound fun. But I think when we're in the presence of the living God, I just don't think anything else will matter. Even if we're wearing a toga. <laughs> but that's where we're headed and I think we can't even dream of what God has for us we can't even fathom a world of wholeness but that was God's design it's his idea, it's his plan and it's his promise for what's coming so this idea of us being um back to my childhood understanding of how this worked, of us being evacuated from earth and taken to heaven and just shedding everything here. That's never been the picture. As I got into scripture, you see that the picture from the very beginning is of heaven invading earth. Uh, we see that from the beginning. We see God in his fullness creating earth, heaven invading earth. We see once he, once he makes man, he breathes his breath into the clay, into the dirt, to bring life to the earthly body. We see this um, when Jesus comes. He chooses to come in the form of a man, fully God, fully man, heaven invading earth. Uh, we see this in the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, when the Holy Spirit comes like tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit, heaven invading earth, now in us, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, power of the living God in us, in our earthly bodies. Heaven invading earth. And we see this in Revelation when 
Jesus comes back for the second time. He redeems all things, completes all things, and he'll make a new heaven and a new earth. So it's not really this picture of us just as spirits floating around for eternity. That's not the picture that scripture gives us. It's a new heaven and a new earth. And um, we also see this actually in, um, when we did the prayer series, in how Jesus teaches um, his disciples to pray. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's all throughout scripture. Um, So a couple passages. We see it in Isaiah 65. Uh, The prophet Isaiah says, See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. In 2 Peter, um, he reiterates this when he says, but in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells, where that's the culture of this new heaven and new earth, righteousness, wholeness, purity, goodness. In Revelation, uh, the apostle John was given a vision of what is to come, and he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And then he goes on to talk about what he sees, which is a city, um, and it's this beautiful city that Jesus, that God calls his bride. Um, and that city is the place where uh, God's people dwell. And, um, and actually, if you're following along with the podcast, it's just a little nod. Uh, this week, we're looking at Psalm 46, and we're talking about this city. And the, the, the Jerusalem, the city of God, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And that's this new Jerusalem. Um, and we'll talk about that, but you can look forward to it. Um... So this vision, again, is of heaven invading earth. Um, so, but that's also for the future. That's what's yet to come. So what do we do today? What does this mean for us now? Well, what we've learned is that part of the good news of the gospel, part of what makes this good news, is that this kingdom is, has been initiated. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, he initiated the kingdom of heaven here today. And so we have the opportunity, we get to taste it. We get to taste in part what's coming in full in the future for those who believe. And we taste this in goodness. We taste this in kindness. Have you ever met someone who you just think, they're not just nice, they're kind. We taste it in kindness. We taste it in love, in connection, um, in joy, all the fruit of the Spirit. It is all the fruit of the Spirit, but also connection and all of those other things that I'm adding to this list. The good things, that's what we get to taste in part as a reminder of what's coming in full. Um, Did you know that the Garden of Eden, that Eden actually translates to delight? And so the original design was a garden of delight. It was a world of delight. It was a world of good things. Um, which did include work, let us not forget. Um, But it was a world of wholeness, a world of shalom, which is this um, sort of this perfection, this peace that we talk about, um, where people were face-to-face with God. And it was a whole world of delight. Um, So I I just think that's interesting that that was the original design, and that's what's promised in the future. Um, But then as we know the story, something else entered, offering Adam and Eve uh, another way um, of living. <laughs> and so they uh, 
took that bait. They did not trust God and what he said. They did not honor or obey his one command that he gave of not eating of that one tree. And so uh, immediately, death entered, and uh, immediately, death started taking from this wholeness, from this fullness, from the peace that they had in the Garden of Delight. And that death has been taking ever since. And we experience this today uh, in broken relationships. We have a very broken relationship with God uh, and understanding who he is and how we relate to him. We experience this in broken relationships with one another. Um, I don't have to convince you of that. <laughs> There's a broken relationship even in, in how we view ourselves, maybe how we care for ourselves or talk to ourselves, um, and also our relationship with creation, with work, with, um, with what we do. We've, we've elevated the sense of work to the place where God is meant to reside so that we say that work uh, is what provides Work is what um, gives me a sense of identity or a sense of belonging um, when actually all of those things are already given to us by our Creator. And so ever since uh, that first um, decision that they made, <laughs> death has been taking and we have been striving. And I, I don't mean to say that work is all bad. Again, work was good from the beginning, and I think there's other things besides what you do for maybe paid work that, that take. Um, there's things we do on a regular basis. There's things like, um, I mean, social media. I feel like that's low-hanging fruit at this point. Um, but there's things that, uh, that take more than they give. Um, so this has become our default, is, um, is believing the same lie that, that Adam and Eve did, that God is not trustworthy, that he's not for us, um, that he's not enough, that we are not enough. And so we, we live into the things that the world says of that I have to provide for myself, I have to make a name for myself, I have to find my people and build my kingdom to find a sense of security for myself. And the good news is, is we don't. The world says we do. Our fear says we do. But we do not. God is our faithful provider. He is our Prince of Peace. Um, from the beginning to the end. And we get to taste that now because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. So, as I thought about this, I thought, um, kind of what I said earlier, I was trying to imagine a world of wholeness. Um, <laughs> and what that could look like. Um, and I think that's hard to imagine because we can't really escape um, fully the brokenness. But uh, I needed a vision for, um, for, for what I'm looking forward to, um, for what is promised, what's to come. And so actually, it, came, it brought me back to Isaiah 58, which is a passage that Mike talked about last week a little bit. Um, and so I wanted to go back to it and, uh, and actually kind of look at it at a, in a different um, translation, uh, because I love how the message translation articulates God's vision for what Sabbath is. So Isaiah 58 says this, if you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy 
and God's holy day as a celebration. If you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. So God sees this as um, we stop working, but it's a day of joy. It's a day of celebration. This is a day of delight. You are invited to a whole day, a whole day full of delight every week, if that's what you choose. That's an invitation. I hope that's good news for you today. Um, I think sometimes we feel guilty if we're doing fun things. And my encouragement to you today is all good gifts come from God. <laughs> um, but it's a whole day of joy and of celebration, um, or however much time you feel like you can carve out. Um, it's a very tangible way to say, God, I trust you, and today I'm gonna delight in what you've done and what we've done together and in what's promised in the future in full. Um, so this word delight is uh, an interesting word and one that I, is, it's not a very common word, at least in my vernacular. Um, which is my everyday language. And um, so a couple years ago, I was trying to learn the word delight, and I wanted to know what, it, what does it feel like to delight in something. So I opened a note on my phone and just for a couple weeks kept track anytime I was uh, surprised by joy or, or um, felt really full or satisfied or something. Um, I, kept, uh, I kept track of that. And um, I actually forgot this. I wanted to go back. When I didn't know what delight meant, I started at the dictionary, because isn't that what you do? That's what I did. So this is the definition, according to Webster, of what delight is. Um, to have delight is to have a high degree of gratification or pleasure or joy or satisfaction, extreme satisfaction, or to delight in uh, is to take great pleasure or to give joy or satisfaction to, which is a brilliant nod to actually the vision uh, of God from the beginning and what will come of this mutual, I can experience delight, but I can also offer delight. I can bring life to others around me. So from this definition, I was trying to understand and I kept track of my phone of what are the things that made me feel full? When did I feel just, not just happy, but joy? I just felt full of life. Um, as I look back on the list, I will be honest with you, a lot of those things included food, uh, because I love good food. I love savory food that's really balanced in texture and um, in all of its good flavors, and it's, it's pretty on the plate. Um, I love that. I love, um, <laughs> for some reason, whenever I, I'm just gonna keep talking about food, I love a good avocado, a perfect avocado, am I right? I mean, when you open it and it's like, like, just looking at that is satisfaction, am I right? That's delight, okay? But then, I never thought I'd do this because I kind of thought it was gross, but if you just take a spoon, it just is, it fills your soul in a way <laughs> that I didn't think it could be filled. Um, I feel that way about a lot of different foods that I don't need to talk about right now. Um, but I also experienced it, uh, <laughs> you know, since I've sort of solidified my place as a plant lady, but I would be out for a walk, and um, there's this purple flower called phlox that sort of, once it grows, it takes over, and it looks like a, a purple carpet. 
And so on an otherwise unremarkable patch of ground, it's all of a sudden this like beautiful purple. And I just think, that's so pretty. Um, I experienced it when I would have a spontaneous night with a, a really close friend. Uh, one night we had gotten hibachi to go because love, again, there's the food. Um, and just sitting and telling stories of the people that we love most and just having that connection. Um, I experienced it when I experienced something new. I really get a lot of life from entering into new spaces and um, seeing new things and understanding new cultures or even watching other people enjoy one another. Um, it was a walk on a perfect day, not like this weekend where it was so hot it was offensive, but just a perfect day and there's a slight breeze and it's sunny and it's just a beautiful space to be in where I can just feel free and I can feel the presence of God and I feel connected and I just feel full of delight. It's all kinds of things. It's getting into the world, the mind of a child, seeing how they see it. I don't know, there's a million different ways that we can experience life. These are some of mine. But my question is, um, what is it for you? That's one of my challenges for you this week, is to think, what, what, are, the, what are the things or where are the places or who are the people that, um, that help you feel full and at peace and at rest and full of joy and full of delight. Those are the things that um, can serve as almost a gateway to encountering the joy of the Lord. Um, because we remember that those are all good gifts that are given to us. And we remember that those are all things, they're, they're all a nod to the fact that we experience something in part today but we will experience this in full, a whole world of that. All of life will be, will be that good. Um, so what are those things for you? It's gonna take a minute to think about those, and so that's what I challenge you to do this week. Um, as you think of that list, I encourage you to think of things that uh, nourish more than just your sense of productivity or achievement. I do think that I feel great and full of life when I cross off a whole bunch of things on my list, I'm not gonna lie, it feels really good. But also, a lot of those things I'm crossing off because I'm trying to get ahead, <laughs> or I'm trying to get more, or um, any number of reasons, or because I just have to do them, let's be honest, right? Um, but, the, but we want to look for things that, that nourish a sense of delight. I think, I think you know what I mean, where you feel full, you feel satisfied. Um, so... My question is, uh, what keeps us from engaging this? I think this, again, this feels like it should be easy to delight in something. Um, but uh, it actually requires a lot of intention. It requires effort. It requires um, time, discipline, sacrifice also. Uh, I think one of the things that keeps us from doing this, like I said, is, is a sense of responsibility. We have stuff to get done. We're responsible for people, for things, for places, um, and so we need, to, we need to do those things. Um, and yet, God says, would you trust me with those things? Knowing they'll still be there tomorrow, you'll still have to do them probably, but would you for today, for just right now, would you trust me enough to just sit with me? to just, just delight in what we've done together and in what, what I've envisioned and what I've promised. Um, I think sometimes we don't feel like we need delight. This sounds like I'm up here telling you it's just time to play, which kind of, but 
you may not feel like you need to do this, to set this time apart. I feel great, I feel energized, I'm not tired, I'm not exhausted, I can just keep going. But Sabbath is a rhythm that we put in place, not, not necessarily because we need it, we do, but not just because we need it, we do it as a way of honoring the rhythm that God has put in place. God didn't need a rest. Um, he Sabbathed, he delighted, because he valued, he saw wisdom in doing that. And that's the same invitation for us. Maybe we've never thought about it. I never thought about delight uh, or what that looks like, and that's my challenge for you this week. Um, Maybe also I'd like to acknowledge, maybe some of us are just in a really hard season, and so the thought of delight is so far from our minds. When this is over, when I get through this, when this happens, after this, then I'll delight. And um, again, my challenge to you would be to see this as a posture of your heart uh, rather than um, having anything to do with your circumstances. Um, would you dare to, to delight in God? Would you dare to start with maybe just a list of all the things you're grateful for or um, just communing with God? Or I, I'm not sure what it looks like. I don't want to give you a whole list. But I think that... Um, even if you're in a really dark, heavy season, um, I'd still invite you to delight. <laughs> I think there's a lot of power in that, and I think that can help reorient us um, and give us life that we need to continue. As I said, this is also something that's consciously chosen. Uh, it's not something that's gonna come instinctually. It doesn't come culturally. Uh, our culture is very driven by productivity and efficiency and getting things done and, and doing more, having more, being more. And so God says, I have a different way. I have a different way for you. Uh, would you be willing to trust me with that? Um, so we delight as discipline. That's what I titled this message was uh, Delight of Discipline, or Discipline of Delight, that's what it was, uh, which, which sounds funky, but it's a discipline, like I said, because it requires us to put the effort in. Um, we do this to mimic God as image bearers. This is part of bringing his image to bear. We posture ourselves or reorient ourselves toward the source of life. We're looking for life-giving things, but we're orienting ourselves toward the source of life, who will fill us with all that we need. Uh, we do this to learn and trust in a very embodied way. That sort of ethereal picture I had of, uh, of heaven and just um, sometimes we, we say that we trust God and, and then we live and move and have our being and there's a disconnect. This is a very tangible way to use our hands and our feet and our time to say, God, I trust you. I'm going to demonstrate that trust by orienting my time and my activities around that trust. I'm going to choose to, to imitate what you've done. And we discipline to delight to be reminded of what is here today in part, but what is coming in full in the future. Um, of what is promised for those who believe. So the three questions I have for you as, you, as we um, wrap up here. Again, what are the things that are life-giving and restorative for your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul? What would help you to experience joy and delight in God? What are the things that stir your affections for God? Identify those things. Note them. And how can you help others find joy and delight in God? Because again, it's not just about us. That would be my kingdom, where this is all about me. Um, but maybe out of our fullness, how can we offer life to someone else? Uh, 
So John Mark Comer has uh, another quote. He just, he phrased it really well talking about Sabbath um, and why we do it. And he says, we make it our goal to acclimate and tune our body and our soul to the world we came from, to live at Eden's soothing pace. But we also make it our goal to anticipate and act out the coming world, to live as we will forever, eating, drinking, and just enjoying God's presence. The Sabbath is a glimpse of the life that was and of the life that is coming. And I think that's beautiful. And that's something um, that gives me more of a vision for how to spend this time or um, what Sabbath really looks like um, on this side of, of Christ. So, as you head out this week, may you delight in good food. May you delight in the company of others, remembering that we were made for one another. May you demonstrate, may you dare to demonstrate your trust in God by playing this week. Most of all, may you find your richest delight, your deepest satisfaction in the presence of the one who fills everything in every way. And when you do, may you be reminded but today we only see in part. Um, it's only a reflection, but someday we will see God face to face. And we, individually and collectively, will be whole. And we will live at peace in that garden city of delight. Let me pray for us. God, your vision for what uh, you created is immeasurably more than we can imagine. Thank you that it was out of your fullness, out of your satisfaction, out of your wholeness, out of your delight that you created. Um, And you created us for your delight. God, you needed no distinction. You, you did not need a sense of identity. You did not need um, <laughs> maybe something to do. But it was for delight that you created us, God, and you invite us into the delight that you share amongst the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God, I pray for us as we go this week that your Spirit would continue to just... Um, to, to turn our minds over and to turn our hearts over and to help us think and to pay attention uh, to what you're doing and to what's happening within us, Lord. The things that maybe are routine and are normal, God, I pray that those would not um, take away from the things that really give us life, that really are gonna serve to fill us, but also remind us of when we will be full um, and what you've promised. God, may all this point back to you, the giver of all good gifts. God, may we find our ultimate joy and delight and satisfaction in you. You are that good and you are that worthy. And so we love you and I commit commit this time and I commit all of us to you, Lord. May you be pleased with what you see and hear. It's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we thank Laura Lynn? I know, I know for me, and you know me well enough, that joy does not come naturally to me. 
uh, <laughs> uh, I'm naturally a critic. I'm naturally a person that goes through and sees everything wrong before I see one good thing. Uh, so I would encourage all of us to wrestle through those questions, to walk through those questions, to engage with them as we together uh, learn the spiritual discipline of joy and delight in every single season, but specifically uh, with rest. Another thing that Larlin mentioned was the importance of connection. Uh, we believe uh, that church is more than just a gathering to show up to once a week. Uh, we believe that you were meant for connection. You were meant to have a place where you bring your life to bear for someone else and where someone else brings their life to bear for you. And the perfect place for that at Port City is something called Port City 101, and that's happening next Sunday. Um, and so before next Sunday, today, you can go to our website, portcity.church forward slash 101. Uh, you can sign up for that, uh, or you can stop by the Connect Center on your way out uh, and sign up. I would really encourage you to find your place of connection, whether you've been coming for a while or whether it's your first Sunday. That's the perfect place to start. If you have questions, let us know. Stop by the Connect Center. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks, y'all.